Williams, and today we have a great, great guest today. And what a testimony this young man has. He's all the way over from Cambodia, and uh, welcome. Matthew, can you tell me how do you pronounce your last name? I even forgot before we started the show. How do you, what's your last name? You can say Karchner. Karchner. All right. Welcome, Matthew Karchner from uh, all the way out there in Cambodia. And he has a great testimony today, what God has done in your life. And uh, I'm just going to sit back and just let him explain his whole testimony and he has a nonprofit organization that he's going to share with us and what he's doing over in Cambodia. And if you can, you know, and like I said, Matthew, the show is all yours, my friend. And God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, sir. Yeah, it's about uh, we're right next to, to Vietnam over here, for those that don't know where Cambodia is. And about the same latitude as Colombia, kind of the northern part of South America. So. So hot year round and usually in the 90s for highs every day. If there's a rainy season, that's a, roughly half the year and a dry season, that's roughly half the year. So it's it's always hot in some way or another. And you get used to it after a while. At first, I was really dehydrated, learned kind of the hard way. I had to drink a lot of water. I would start feeling really um, drained and, and not understood, didn't really understand why at first. And then over time, I realized you have to drink massive amounts of water. So usually I'll carry around a, a big liter bottle of water with me now or a pretty big size jug of water. I'm from central Pennsylvania. I'm 44 years old today and uh, grew up in a strong Christian home, only child in a rural family. Uh, went to church every Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, typically Wednesday night. My parents were leaders in the youth group for several years. Uh, I was in the Christian school next to the church until ninth grade, learning scripture, memorizing scripture, participating in the, uh, the Christmas cantata, they called it back then. And so it was the 1980s. I was born in 78. So this is late 80s, kind of the, the time period primarily that, that my struggle started. It was, uh, I was about 12 years old when the boys started to like the girls, started to be attracted to the girls, and I was attracted to the boys. And uh, pretty tough, tough stuff to go through, especially back in that era and considering the small town kind of coal mining town component. It was something that during that time wasn't really discussed. It was kind of like uh, maybe the family got the feeling that something was a little different or some struggle was going on kind of underneath, but it was really not something that was typically brought in the open. There was a lot of shame around it. So I didn't feel comfortable sharing with my parents or my pastor, even though we had close relationships. So I kind of kept it to myself was my deep, dark secret. Eventually when I kind of came through the denial period and started to, to uh, accept it a little bit, but, but uh, I wouldn't say accept, more reject, but at least acknowledge, I guess, is the best way to put it. And uh, started crying myself to sleep, prayed the Lord would take it away in those early years, those early teen years. And the temptation remained. And so I took baby steps, even though I knew that it was wrong. I took baby steps toward that in the kind of the, the lust and the the hormones raging in those teen years, I took steps toward that in pictures and then videos and, and it, so the sin was never enough. So you kind of, you get, get a, your fill of one thing and then that's not enough to satisfy the lust. And then the, I, I consider it kind of like a fire. When you feed the fire, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. 
And so over time, it kind of became life consuming and the fantasies weren't really enough. The, the pornography and, and all that wasn't really doing it. And so I was 19 when I went to the city. The nearest city was Pittsburgh. I went to school down there, University of Pittsburgh, lived by myself. I had a roommate uh, for a time, but lived by myself in the first first period of time down there. Nobody knew me for the most part. And so I started to go out to the bars over time. I guess it was 22 when I actually, 21, 22, when I actually got drunk for the first time and uh, dabbled in that, just kind of the regular bar scene for a while. And drinking really gave me a feeling of what I call today counterfeit freedom, like a feeling like, wow, now I, can, I finally have the guts to do the things and say the things that I never had the guts to do before. I always felt kind of meek and and reserved and quiet. And a lot of that was the struggle that I had within. I didn't want to really open myself up, uh, my feelings to folks. So I so always felt a little reserved and timid and meek and didn't really feel like I could compare to the other guys. And I think that was a, a part of it that what Satan used in the early years that I, I didn't really feel naturally masculine, aggressive, go get them kind of sportsy. And so I think Satan really used that to kind of make me feel like I'm inferior to them. I can never be a man like everybody else. They're they're in a different category than I am. And, and then kind of started through that to feel more drawn to the girls, the ones that I felt wouldn't hurt me and they wouldn't be aggressive or angry or something that I could relate to, to the way that they were, the gentleness and whatnot. So during holidays, you would see me off with the women of the family talking about the next... Uh, type of jeans that was going to come out next season or something like that. And it kind of went from there. So when I when I got down to to Pittsburgh and really started drinking and then eventually the straight bars led to the gay bars. So I would disappear at one o'clock in the morning, for example, and tell my friends I went to the bathroom and and not come back. And I would be out searching for somebody to hook up with in the gay bars. And, and so it went from there and uh, moved from Pittsburgh to Washington, D.C. to Boston and Washington DC with work. I worked for PNC Bank and for for almost 15 years all told. And during that time, the bigger the city, the more access I had to drugs and alcohol and substances. So got into cocaine pretty deep and kind of whatever else was around when it ran out. So I was I was very much uh, there's a family tendency toward addiction. Satan's used it to cause a lot of destruction as we've followed. Uh, various addictions in the family. People always warn me, don't get started. You won't be able to stop. And when I did, it was like the door I couldn't close. So praise the Lord. It was uh, 2010 when I had really made a shipwreck of my life. And the Lord really used the all the, the bad stuff that I had done to convict me of my sin, to remind me of end times coming judgment, that I, I remembered the Bible, the scripture that I had learned as a kid. I knew that he's coming back in judgment. I wasn't ready. I was scared. So 9-11 happened during the time when I was out living my, my old life, my gay life. And I remember tears rolling down my face when I turned on the TV out of a drunken stupor. Felt conviction there like, oh, I, it's too late to turn back, though. It's too late. I've already gone this far. I've already said, already kind of drawn a line in the sand like, this is who I am. If you don't accept me, then to heck with you kind of thing. And so there was a lot of pride there, like I can't turn back now, even though it was clear to me at that point that the gay life wasn't wasn't uh, delivering on the promises. Uh, in the beginning, I, I 
I pictured maybe a knight in shining armor and, and people told me I would be the next supermodel and that kind of thing because I was tall and, and none of that stuff happened. It, it was people cheating on people and, and men are not created to be together. The Lord created woman for man, not man for man. So they're not complementary, And so they're not satisfied. They're naturally not satisfied with one another. So a gay relationship in, in my experience and, and all the people that I knew out there was one month, two months, three months, four months, tops. And, and the ones that stayed together beyond those short, short periods would end up opening up to what they call an open relationship where they invite a third party in periodically or go together to the bathhouse or uh, group sex of some sort. And so that's the norm among the men. Maybe not all the women. I'm not, I wasn't one of the women, but I was one of the men in the gay lifestyle. And, and that's the norm, very commonplace among men living a gay lifestyle, whether people want to admit it or not. We like to, we see Hollywood fantasy that, that it's just the same as a man and a woman, except they're both the same sex and they try to play it off like that. But those of us who actually lived it, who have been out there know that that's not true. It's really a cesspool. Uh, STDs abound and it's really a sad life, um, kind of painted to look like like a wonderful uh, usually the, the gay guy in the movie is the comical one. He's the one that can dress the girls better than they can dress themselves. And he has an eye for fashion and makes everybody laugh. And, and really, that's just the surface of it. That's uh, often someone trying to cope with the pain of, of what they deal with every day, feeling like an outcast, feeling like nobody truly accepts them, feeling like they don't really know who they are. Um, big identity crisis. So the Lord brought me through all that uh, and... and uh, delivered me when i repented put my faith and trust in him and that was 2010 like i said 9 11 was one kind of stepping stone i told my family i think i was 28 years old by the time i finally wrote wrote a letter and told my family i was too scared to go home and tell them to their faces so wrote in a letter they received it the pastor came out who had been my pastor since i was a kid who dedicated me as a baby and still our family pastor even in retirement and uh so he came out and prayed with them as they we always did during times of crisis. And he he left that day uh, after, after having shed a tear when he read the letter. He left and, and went to walk out the door and pointed back to my dad and mom and said, don't let this don't expect this thing to be over anytime soon. And uh, they were so thankful looking back now. Uh, now that the dust has settled, looking back to that, that, that day and just so thankful that he was honest with them and told them not what they wanted to hear, but the truth. And uh, that truth, I think, helped to kind of build them up a bit for the war that was ahead. And, and he counseled them. He advised them to get uh, side by side along the bed, you know, kneeling at the bed and, and go to war in prayer and fasting for me. So that's what they did. Not anything really ritualistic, but skipping a lunch, for example, together and, and spending some time in prayer, uh, seeking the Lord during that time and, and just getting some power behind those prayers. And the Lord really started to move. And he even had moved before then, but, it, but especially when they went to war in prayer and fasting. So one example that uh, was really hard hitting for me is that I was in line at McDonald's on lunch break in downtown Pittsburgh with hundreds of people around me and a, and a street evangelist followed me into McDonald's and tapped me on the shoulder, stood behind me in line, tapped me on the shoulder, singled me out of all these people and said, if you die today, where would you go? And I thought, wow. So like you're in, 
in my frame of mind back then i was trying i was trying to kind of convince myself this is who i am i was born this way this is just a matter of nature and just leave me alone the gospel doesn't apply to me the bible's for you guys that don't have weird struggles i'm an outcast i'm a reject you wouldn't believe the things that come through my head the desires that i have just let me go and die in it. If you really got, I wouldn't have said that to you, but if you could really see into my heart of hearts, that's kind of, uh, I was really self-destructing. I was on my way to, to certain death. A lot of my friends had committed suicide and overdosed and um, all kinds of horror stories. And I, I knew that I eventually I would be a quiet funeral if I continued in that. And so that was the the big wake up call that I remember another stepping stone that it was like, okay, this is bigger than my dad and mom nagging me. This guy doesn't know me where I'm almost three hours away from home. He doesn't know who I am. He singled me out. This has to be the Lord. This cannot just be people. It has to be the Lord from the throne reaching down. But why? I thought I was the exception. I thought I was the freak and the weirdo. So the Lord started to work there and, and move me from that point to finally, it's like, this can't go on forever. This is a matter of life and death. And so it was May 28th, 2010. I was on the floor in my filthy apartment in Pittsburgh and doing sit-ups and push-ups, preparing for someone to come and have sex for the weekend that I had met online, never saw him before. That was the norm in my old life, just filthy, filthy lifestyle. I was preparing to look decent for him to come and i just remember a tightness in my chest and it was the war over the souls of men really come to life and that's the the only way that i can describe it on one side it's like satan's pulling you back like this is who you are you're just a faggot kind of thing you know maybe not those exact words but you have that feeling like there's no way out you can't change you're bound and gagged to this and then the other way it's like the Lord's coming back in judgment, earthquakes in diverse places. I remember that from scripture, the, the prophecy that there'll be earthquakes in diverse places before the Lord returns in judgment, the second coming. Um, one World Bank is an interpretation of some scripture uh, related to end times prophecy. And that, that was really real to me because I was in a back office bankroll. So every day my, my job had to do with bank acquisitions in the wake of the financial crisis. So the Lord really... Uh, brought these things to kind of to to my head and all together in that moment and it's like okay satan has you by the throat i can get you out but you have to surrender you have to repent and so it was really like i i hollered uncle I'm doing the sit-ups on the floor in the filthy apartment and and i feel this tightness it's like kind of like last call last opportunity you've gone you've gone far enough but you haven't gone too far to be forgiven here's your chance right and so I said, okay, and I don't even know if it was in my spirit or out loud, but I said, okay, as if to holler uncle. And I felt the demon, the demonic spirit lift from me. And that always sounds a little like, wow, but it, it really lifted to the left-hand side. We, you could say the burden of sin, but it, but it really was the demonic. And um, the Bible calls it the spirit that works in the, in the sons of disobedience, right? So Satan works in, in the sons of disobedience, and I was certainly one of them. So I felt that lift to the left. I knew that I was washed clean in the blood. I knew that I was forgiven. I can't explain the feeling uh, that, I, that, that I felt then. I just stood up and looked at myself in the mirror. It was a, like a chest of drawers. There's a mirror on top. I stood up and looked at myself in the mirror like, who are you? What happened? What comes next? 
it was like a, a uh like you come out of uh like encino man that an old movie i think from i think it was from the 90s encino man it reminds me of that like you come out of a cave like like it was a spiritual coma that i was in and suddenly i once was blind now i can see what happened how like what comes next what do i do tomorrow everything i had been reprogrammed Everything that I did revolved around addiction, revolved around slavery to sin, which is what we call addiction often in modern terms. It's really slavery to sin, right? So the variety of sins, the laundry list from alcohol to cigarettes to cocaine to pornography and masturbation to connecting with men online to meet them that I had never met before, go down to the grocery store in my old life toward the end when the fire was raging and life consuming. I'm following men around the grocery store. You sent me down, if you're my friend or neighbor or something, you sent me down to pick up a loaf of bread. I might be there for an hour or more, not exaggerating. Um, following men around, trying to connect with them, trying to get attention, trying to hopefully connect for some later sexual escapade. Just crazy, just disgusting. Um, so praise the Lord for second chance, praise the Lord for new life. Like I said, May 28th, 2010, um, the guy came later that just within, I think within an hour of that moment, uh, later that evening when he was out of the room, I knelt by the bed and, and, uh, gave my life back to Christ. I prayed the sinner's prayer that I remembered as a kid and, and the Lord, um, I knew that I was forgiven even even before then. I knew that 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 okay that I was um, that that was all that was needed. But I just wanted to make it official. And so uh, that weekend, I had planned, I had promised to take the guy out to the gay bar. So I did that to fulfill my promise. And then we went to church on Sunday. I did struggle with alcohol. I did struggle with uh, cigarettes and and cocaine and sexual acting out to a degree for two months. And when I say that I struggled with that, it was the human habit, right? Because I had been deprogrammed. Like when I come home from work, I go to the bar for all those years, about 10 years, I had been uh, reprogrammed, I would say, to do all those things. And the habits were very, very difficult to break, to break ties with my old friends that, that was required for my survival spiritually, to change the way that I walked the path that I took when I went to the store would take me by some sort of temptation to change the music I listened to, to really get into the word, which is by far the most important, to really get into the word daily and study and find out not only who the Lord is, who I am in Christ, what what's my gift, what's the purpose, why did the Lord create me, what am I here to do, right? All of that comes with the identity in Christ as the Lord plugs us into service opportunities and we're in his word daily and and in fellowship and in prayer daily. And so um, attending church every week. So I was really plugged into to just about everything, um, doing children's ministry. And I was a worship leader for a time in the children's ministry and helping out with the soccer outreach and and uh, sharing testimony and, and uh, singing in front of the church and went on my first mission, missions trip within about six months. So the Lord really, really had me active and it was really a groundbreaking kind of honeymoon period that first uh, year or so with the Lord. And then there were dry seasons, to be, uh, to be really frank. It, somebody told me in that, that early time, uh, an older believer said, 
oh, this is the honeymoon period. It's not always going to be like this. It's not always going to feel like he's sitting beside you in the flesh, speaking to you uh, very, very clearly. There'll be times when you feel that he's distant and you, you don't feel that uh, that sense of the presence of the Lord all the time. And, and there were those times, and those are the times of testing and growth. It's kind of like we talk about uh, spiritual growth, where the when the child starts to become grow from adolescent to a little bit older and a little bit older, when they cry out for the parent, maybe the parent doesn't come immediately because they have to kind of learn to fend for themselves, right? And so there was a lot of that. There was a lot of getting into how to share my testimony, how to share the gospel. That was pretty early on, pretty much right away. There was a dog park next to my place, and I would be sharing the, the gospel out while I was walking the dog on lunch break. During work from the bank, I would be sharing the gospel with folks. Praise the Lord. So um, the Lord really put me to work and, and gave me purpose and fulfillment uh, to, to get started teaching and understanding how to, to do public speaking, to share my testimony and communicate the gospel in a simple way. And all of that, uh, using those gifts really gave me a sense of fulfillment, sense of satisfaction. The Lord became my father in heaven and also my husband. And that might sound a little bit uh, sacrilegious, but the Bible calls us the bride of Christ, right? So it's, it really is uh, the church's the bride of Christ. So that's not sacrilegious as much as it might sound like that. Uh, he was my my husband, still is my husband. To every Christian, he's our husband, but in a much more uh, tangible sense for me because uh, what was made real to me, what he made real to me in those early, that early year, probably the first year was that the man that I was looking for out in the gay bars, I was looking for the perfect man who would never hurt me, never leave me and forsake me. And it was the Lord Jesus Christ, the God of my family, the God of my parents. Can you imagine the God that I ran away from to, to try to find somebody else who ended up cheating on me? Then I cheated on him and all that stuff, all the stuff that happened out in the gay world. And uh, he was right there all along, right before me, praise the Lord. And so uh, it was a prodigal son story when I when I came back home, came back to the Lord and had had everything in shambles. I was financially shipwrecked. I was spiritually and morally bankrupt and emotionally broken and everything. And I went back home with nothing. And he came and, and ran and, and hugged me and embraced me and forgave me. And uh, praise the Lord. And my dad, my earthly dad, did the same thing. Uh, it was tough for him at first because I had I had lodged all kinds of artillery at the family. I was calling in the middle of the night drunk and F you and carrying on with them. And so when my aunt, I guess I communicated to my aunt first and she she got the word back because I had kind of open lines of communication with her through most of the time I was out in, out in the world. And so she connected with my parents and said, I, th I think he needs to talk to his dad. Uh, this is real. This is a real thing. He's not just uh, playing around. So so that's when I talked to my dad. We're, we're very, very close today and praise the Lord. He's been such a such a guide and a mentor in my, my new life in Christ, uh, training me to fight like a soldier to follow the Lord no matter what happens. A lot of that's come in handy as the church, um, kind of like the, the brother in the story, the older brother of the, the prodigal son. The church has not been so welcoming of me and i've really had to learn to quite literally stand alone and uh 
it's really been it's not been easy i'd like to say that that my church friends have been just wonderful and and unconditionally loving and so on and so forth unconditionally supportive we have some we have a, a group of folks i have a group of folks prayer partners that are unbelievable amazing and have been there some of them knew me in my old life since i was a kid and and have been been there for me all along but um churches that support but it's it's not been easy so the 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 downside of the story is that please god and not man right we're here to follow the lord according to his word not according to what people think what the church what is go, what's going on in the church movements and trends of a given decade or whatever uh, what the pastor wants us to do isn't necessarily what the lord wants us to do my ministry today is an outreach to the lgbt um, that's not very well accepted. I think deep down there are certain folks uh, in certain places that kind of feel like maybe uh, homosexual sin is a higher sin, is unforgivable, but their sin is not, and that's not true. The Bible said, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, such were some of you, right? So Paul's talking to the Corinthian church, and there are folks there listening that are receiving the letter, um, folks there in the audience that are quote unquote ex-gay what we call as kind of a short term rather than speak an entire paragraph of what it means to leave a gay lifestyle and so on we, we say ex-gay now just as kind of a shortcut so we would say those folks are ex-gay they left a gay lifestyle they repented put their faith and trust in the lord jesus christ turned away from following their deceitful hearts which everyone has, right? Because God created us and we sinned against him, Genesis chapter three. Ever since then, we're born in sin with a sinful nature. We have deceitful hearts, can't trust our hearts, have to follow the Lord Jesus Christ according to his word. He came from heaven to earth to die on the cross for our sins and rose again. He's the living God, the one true God, the same God who created the heavens and the earth. And he's the only door to heaven. So we must repent Turn away from following our deceitful hearts to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the gospel in short. And he's coming back one day to judge. We must be ready, right? And any of us could die at any moment. So the only way to heaven is by faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance is required. And so uh, that's, uh, that's my ministry in short to reach out to the LGBT over here in Cambodia. It might be kind of training wheels to come back to the U.S. at some point and join the fight over there. It's not easy. Uh, it's much easier over here, actually, in, a, in, a, in an unusual way than it is to share the gospel to LGBT folks back in the U.S. Mm -hmm. I was home for at the beginning of COVID time, got stuck in Pennsylvania for a while because the flights were down and uh, really got kind got quite a bit of backlash from folks just trying to witness to them like I do over here. And it was just a reminder of the, the war's hot in the U S so. Wow. What a, what a testimony, my friend. Um, you're a brave soldier. You're very brave. And, um, and the Lord's blessing you. you know. Praise the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so what exactly brought you to Cambodia in general? Was it just that, uh, was it your, uh, your, your ministry that you decided to reach out there? What brought you out there? Yeah, uh, I was working in a bank in uh, almost 15 years by the end of it. And the bank went into a kind of, went, went along with the government about diversity and inclusion. So they, they launched this diversity and inclusion kind of campaign, and especially the department I was in. 
and the, the head of the department really championed it. And so under that umbrella of diversity and inclusion, which sounds amazing, it sounds like equality and that kind of stuff, but underneath that is is to say that to define homosexuality as a as a minority, which you and I know biblically it's it's sin. The temptation is not sin, but acting on the temptation is. And so uh, I could not, with a clear conscience, guide people, like applaud folks as they're following that path and encourage others to do that. And that became part of my work responsibility to communicate those messages out um, about lgbt inclusion and all that kind of stuff and so it's not out of hatred for the lgbt i was one of them not long ago and love them so much love them more now that i'm out of that life actually than i did when i was part of it and with the love of christ coming through me i actually care about uh, folks that are in that lifestyle i want to see them get to heaven praise the lord mm -hmm. is the mm -hmm. only way so so anyway that's how the lord led out of the bank before then um Several years before then, when I when the Lord first delivered me, and that was 2010, um, I went to the church that was the same denomination as the church I grew up in, but this one was a city church a couple blocks away from where I lived in Pittsburgh. Started going there and got plugged into stuff, and they had a lot of uh, opportunities to serve and whatnot. They had uh, they were missions focused and had many missions partnerships with with churches in other countries from Kenya and Cambodia and, and different India and different places. And so they said, there's an information session today, 10 o'clock downstairs. Anyone who's interested can go down and join. I went down, sat in the back row, and just tears started to flow, and it just became very clear. This is what the Lord wants me to do. I always, I always felt drawn to other cultures and had no idea what that was, didn't know why. It seemed like of my friends, I was the only one that always wanted to be around foreign people and hear accents and understand about the language and how's the food work over there. And I didn't know why that was and then the lord activated that that gift and it was um so i went over there to cambodia we started meeting every month for the partnership and then went over three times in total before the thing at the bank happened so 10 years before started into the church and in the ministry and the mission and all that and then had been over there three times by 2015 when i left the bank and um i really left the bank with kind of a box of my stuff from from my desk mm -hmm. and and prayed okay lord what's next i mean i i knew that i was called to i felt that i was called to cambodia i knew that i was called of the lord and it's kind of like okay i think that's cambodia and um based on the leading that he gave me and it was like okay so when i want to go now this was like the first time i went there i wanted to go already and so i waited out about it was about five years then and, and the lord trained me through the business stuff through um got into a toastmasters uh, group for a breaking fear of public speaking, which is required to be able to to witness and stand in front of churches. And and so the Lord led even through the banking, through my manager at the bank. She she said, I don't know why I, I can't get out of my head. I think you should join Toastmasters. And then that, that was the thing that the Lord was leading to do. So he mm -hmm. trained me in unusual ways and then uh, connected with folks over here. I had a, a connection with a, a guy here that started a school and he connected me with the local pastor of a baptist church and i started working for both and that's kind of how everything started 2016 january wow wow that's a big mission that's a big move big move literally across the other side of the of the world wow wow um matthew um 
so you find you find the gay community like you you mentioned like uh, they're not receiving the message too well. I mean, you find it like they're they're fighting you with this. I mean, uh, what's the main thing that you're hearing from them? Yeah, uh, typically the. Uh, not everybody, but but it's common to get scripture thrown back in your face. So judge not lest you be judged. And it's yeah. like, well, I'm not judging. I was, I did all the same as you have done and probably more. So who am I mm-hmm. to judge you? I'm just telling you what the word of God says. The word of God judges everybody. And mm-hmm. I'm required as a Christian to share the gospel. Even if I'm not a missionary, I'm required to share the gospel. So I'm doing my job. Mm-hmm. And I'm just telling you what the Lord has to say. And so um, it's out of love, right? I want to see see them in heaven. I'm trying to be obedient to the Lord. Mm-hmm. But but it, it becomes kind of a shoot the messenger thing. This is who I am. That's the, that's the, the big battle cry now from Hollywood. And uh, Lady Gaga had a song, Baby, I Was Born This Way. So we've really, as a culture, I think the U.S. has really accepted, like, people are just born gay and you and i know that's from the fall that's from the fall back in the garden we all have sinful natures and deceitful hearts and that manifests itself in, in a lot of different ways but it's forgivable sin for the repentance so it's not me coming to you and saying my sin's forgivable i'm a good person but you're bad it's it's me saying i was one of you not long ago and the lord forgave me and i want to see him forgive you, mm, you know, wow messenger wow thing don't shoot the messenger right right absolutely and you know uh uh god doesn't categorize sin you know it's all the same to him it doesn't matter uh it's not like oh there's such a a worse sin than another one you know and um we all have to remember that and we're supposed to love everybody i mean i'd love the gay people i mean i I do i mean you know that's what we're supposed to do you know not judge people you know, but just speak the truth, you know, and, uh, you know, let, let God take over. You know, we plant the seed, right? Amen. Yeah. And so, uh, what, what can you explain for people who, who have never experienced what you have, um, then, um, um, uh, they're born with it. What's your thought on that? And, and what, this um what does a person feel when anything else i mean is did you really truly can you hear me sorry there's just a little delay there but what does the person feel when they're when they have these feelings at a young age is that what you're saying no, we're having a little inter- internet uh, issue here, and I. <laughs> One second. One second, yeah. it'll be fixed because I have another option here. <laughs> okay, yeah, take your time, brother. No problem. No problem. If you leave me, you know you can just go back in. It's no big deal.
Okay, it looks like he's having a little issue there, but uh, yeah, the money this guy has. You there? All right. So I think the the one thing that I was going to say is that uh, the the Bible uh, categorizes uh, homosexuality as an abomination, and it, and it really is. But there there are other there are many other sins in that mm -hmm. same collection. We, we would say the vice list, right? So it's not uh, like it's an isolated, one and only greatest sin. There are many mm -hmm. other sins in there. And if you and I read that list of sins, we would be guilty of one or more. Absolutely. Right? So, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So so what I was asking, uh, I don't know if you heard me because we had issues, but um, um, it, are they, are, are they, are they, do you think that, that they're born with this or is it just a choice? What, what you know, I'm just trying to make people understand because I don't want no judgment on anyone. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. What, what, what is the story behind the whole thing? I mean, I, you know, as far as like, uh, when you hear they say they were, they, they feel they're born with this way, this is who they are. I mean, you even hear they say that just like you said, you were a child. So, I mean, you know, what, what I mean, you think it's just Satan attacking? I mean, what, what do you, what are your thoughts about this? Yeah, uh, you know, the in the Garden of Eden, so so Satan came and tempted Eve, and then it was her choice. He deceived, and then it was her choice whether or not to follow. And I used to get so angry. I was lost you again. Are you there? Are you there? Can you hear me, buddy? Can you hear me? Hang on, folks. We'll get him there. Technology's wonderful. I think he's going to try to come back in here. But anyway, folks, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, God is good. And, um, you know, you heard Matthew's, uh, testimony and he, he's just, uh, he's done, you know, such a, a great, um, mission, what he's doing. And, uh, we need to continue to pray for him and need to, uh, ask the, the Lord to, to guide and direct him in each and every way. We don't judge anyone. We don't judge people. We don't judge, you know. I mean, uh, we love them all, and um, we just have to uh, understand that the Lord loves us all, and we need to, you know, be there for everybody and do, and do what God says. And the truth hurts. The truth does hurt uh, um, a lot, and people don't want to hear the truth. And um, that's not putting judgment. Like, you know, Matthew was saying, that's not putting judgment. Hopefully, he'll be able to come back on here. It looks like he's trying to. And we'll here. welcome back, Matthew. All right. Uh, you know, it, it, yeah, you can see the devil's really fighting us on this one, man. He does not want this message to go out. He does not. He's fighting us, but that's okay. That's all right. We know, you know, it's all right. God, God will get us this message out somehow. But I was just sh sharing with everybody. We don't judge anyone. You know, we don't judge anyone. Everybody's a sinner. And, uh, you know, and it's our, our mission. People just don't, you know, you speak the truth. You're going to, the devil's going to attack you. He's going to attack you. 
you know, and, and like, like you were saying, you, and I think I know where you were going at, you know, the devil tempt, tempts us all with sin. And uh, I guess if he can target uh, uh, people at a young age, he'll do that or whatever. Right. Yeah. So I, I think it's to, to say there's a silver bullet answer for how does it happen in every single case? I don't think there is one, but if, if, if we went out and did a survey within the gay community with, Mostly I would be familiar with, with the male side of it, right? So I can't really speak for the women's side, but most of the people that I knew out in the, the gay lifestyle that I was connecting with in bars and that sort of thing, and the drinks would be flowing and people would say things that they wouldn't normally say, right? That they might not mm -hmm. say during the mm -hmm. daytime. And um, more often than not, people were sexually abused at a young age from my personal experience. Um, in my case, that wasn't, what happened to me, but I, I really believe that Satan can come in kind of into the schoolyard and scope out. He's been doing this for years and years, right? Mm -hmm. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He can probably identify a gift pretty early on. Like maybe that guy, that guy appears to be demonstrating the gift that a pastor might have or a worship leader. Let's take mm -hmm. him out, right? Mm -hmm. So he's coming through whatever kind of uh, anger and fear and, um, so much of it, I think, is fear-based, right? Where we're, right. for whatever reason, we're made to feel uh, inadequate compared to other men or made maybe sexually abused by a man. So then we're going to steer steer clear of men and gear toward mm. the ladies and start mm -hmm. to kind of use them as an example and pattern things. I remember trying to write like my cousin. She was very feminine and, and wrote very, like, girly. And for some reason, I, oh, I wanted to be able to write like her. Mm -hmm. So it started for me at an early age with, I think, a lot of fear-based stuff. And when I got older then, and and then it's like, well, the people in the, you know, people outside of the spiritual realm, especially, especially unbelievers would say, he should, maybe his dad should have played more baseball with him. That would have fixed him. And, <laughs> and it's like, it's a spiritual war. I think when it gets yeah. to a certain, especially when it gets to a certain point where, um, things have been reprogrammed and broken to such a degree for me, the only way back really was a spiritual path. Like I really mm -hmm. had to surrender and go mm -hmm. back to the manufacturer and the Lord had to, to start reprogramming in ways that no human being could orchestrate. You know what I mean? It wasn't sure. like, well, we'll just walk him through this 10 step program and then he'll be like Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's not, that wouldn't work. I don't think so. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. the, the uh, people would say, well, it's, this is just a choice. This is just a choice you made. I would get so angry, like red in the face, so angry mm -hmm. in my old life because I thought, what kind of moron would choose a life like this? Do you really do you understand what it's like to live a life like this where you're outcast? You're not really accepted by any group completely. You're mm -hmm. kind of a laughing stock to some and some picture you as kind of their gay best friend or whatever, but you're not really taken seriously. And and ridiculed and persecuted who in the world would ever choose this so to me i was i didn't have an attraction to a woman so to me it was very very much physiological when i see a woman i'm physically if you know what i mean nudge mm -hmm. nudge between men if you know what i mean mm -hmm. i would not be able to carry it out in the bedroom with mm -hmm. a woman therefore i am gay that for me not for every other one that I've ever met that struggles with homosexuality. Some of them, I think, uh, have desire for both to a degree or whatever. But, 
But in my case, that's how it was. So I felt bound and gagged. Like I'm going to, so what am I going to do? Just play a role like I'm an actor or something and get married right. to somebody, destroy somebody's life and, and the kids and everything. Um, so I, I didn't move ahead with it beyond, uh, I dated some in high school and whatnot, but it just, it felt like I was doing it for other people to put on a show. And um, so praise the Lord. He does miracles and works over time and he's, yeah. he's changed so much and reprogrammed in so many ways from the way that I walk and the way that I do things. I'm sure not Arnold Schwarzenegger yet, but, <laughs> <laughs> but no, the Lord really, yeah. the Lord really changes. He, he, he makes changes and we're all works in yeah. progress. So we change from one degree of glory to be more and more like him every day, yeah, not man. to be more, and more like Arnold Schwarzenegger. So, right, so man. for me, right. for me, the goal really isn't to be the most, crazy strong buff kind of guy the the goal uh, i believe biblically is to be more christ-like and and really that for the believer that's to what's my gift and what's the what's mm -hmm. the uh, what's his design for me why did he create me what am i supposed to be doing here what's my purpose and when we plug into that then like i said we experience true fulfillment and satisfaction and enduring peace and and that's so much more than sin amen Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you did you find that you lost? I'm sure you have. You lost a lot of friends. Plus, you probably gained a lot of friends as well. Yeah, I lost friends. Uh, in the beginning, I you go through a lot of stages where you're. In the beginning, day one, I was on fire for evangelism, and I was convinced that I was very hopeful. I thought my friends are going to come to Christ and. You know, I'm going to be able to break through somehow in the power of Christ. And and sadly, that wasn't really the, the there was more of a draw that they would want to bring me back and say, this is really who you are. Don't you remember, stupid, you know? And mm -hmm. so um, it was it was really for survival. I had to cut ties with with many of them, most like like the ones truly in the gay lifestyle, for sure. And, and kind of kept, kept loose connections with with other ones. But um then I had Christian have I have Christian friends had began to have Christian friends, and um, over time, as the Lord really like I I was not strong enough to go back to witness to LGBT day one day two day three year one year two year three it was really it took a long time so it wasn't really until kind of one on one maybe I run into one in the dog park at. 3 p.m. that I knew from my old life and I felt I think the Lord connected us here and share the gospel with him but as far as uh really going back to the to the streets kind of thing I didn't do that really until the Lord called me over here Cambodia and Thailand and really it was Thailand next door to Cambodia here which is really a a mecca a haven for LGBT stuff so there's a red light district there and I really it was like, okay, the Lord's leading to do this, to get started in this. And, and interestingly, once I prayed about it and then I did some research to go out and find out where I can find these folks, there were red light districts with massage parlors on kind of both sides of the street. And 95, 96, 97% probably were lady boys. They call themselves lady boys, full-blown transgender from born male and trying to look like female, but the Lord made them to be male, and that's that's really who they are. But anyway, it was 
for the most part, all transgender, almost all, not all. So what I found interesting about that was that the Lord put me in a safe place. That Yes, I was called to, to witness to those folks, but it wasn't an area of temptation for me because I wasn't attracted to them even in my old life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, the Lord's really uh, kind of safeguards and, and keeps. Uh, sometimes you have to take some risks and make judgment calls um, for the sake of the cause. Like you, you would think that in an ideal state that you would have champions for Christ surrounding you from the church and all the guys are going to go out together and witness to the LGBT in reality. That's not really how it is. People like to talk like that, but they don't really follow through. So often it would be me or me and a friend. And and in those situations, there are certain things you try to keep things as safe as possible, but sometimes have to take a little bit of a risk, uh, trusting the Lord to, to break through. So. Wow. Yeah. I don't, man, you just amaze me. I mean, like I said, you're a very brave man, very brave man. I mean, it it takes courage, I mean, you know, to do that because that's, you know, rejection. You know, people are going to fight against you, you know, and, you know, and and I'm sure they're going to accuse you of of, of a lot of things, you know, and um, almost in a sense like they'll categorize it like racism, you know, and that kind of thing, like, you know, homophobic and that kind of thing. And that's not it at all. You know, that's not it at all. You know, it's, 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 we, we love everyone, you know, and, um, you you were mentioning you had to like, uh, break away from your friends and I'm sure that was very hard to do. You know, I'm sure that was, you know, very painful to do that. And, um, I know a lot of people who are addicted to drugs and alcohol, they had, they have to do the same thing, um, you know, for their own health and for their own, you know. To better their life, you know, and I'm not comparing, don't get me wrong, I'm not comparing both those things. Those are two separate issues and totally different, like you said. But they're, you know. but they're similar because I've had, I've dealt with both of them. There you go. Let's they are, talk, they are let's, similar. In the, let, let's uh, talk about, let's talk about the drugs there then. Let's, for me. Right. Yeah. You said, you said with drugs and I guess alcohol as well. Um, it, I, Addiction is is a is a terrible struggling thing, and again, the devil uses that. Uh, you know, that's his tool. You know, and I mean, I mean, you hear about the drugs is really bad out here in the U.S. and everywhere across the world, where you know where where people are are, are being you know addicted to these to these terrible things, and it does these terrible things to their life. And you hear people that that recover from it, and they have programs. You know, they have the like you were saying the the alcohol anonymous, that kind of thing, the 12 step program, but they don't, like you said, they don't have that for what you needed. Right. So, you know, wouldn't that make it harder? I mean, that's what I'm trying to say where I'm trying to separate the two. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, For, uh, for me, like the kind of back to the testimony. So when I went out into the, the gay scene, I think I wouldn't have, for me being, kind of meek and gentle and kind of reserved and a little bit fearful and stuff. I don't think I would have had the guts to go out and do everything unless I had some drinks in me, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I think of it as kind of that door that, that I open and then I walk through it. And then when I found out, wow, you did that last night, kind of the first time I actually acted on it, it's like, Oh no. And then you, then you've, then Satan starts to kind of like, now you've really failed. Now you can't go back. Now, now I gotcha. You know, how are you going to explain this to people? Mm-hmm. So, 
that's when he starts to work. So for me, it was a whole package, but, but slavery to sin is slavery to sin. We, we call it addiction in modern times, but it's, it's mm -hmm. slavery to sin. So. so you had like two, two problems, you know, with the, the drugs and, and the, uh, your struggle with, with the, uh, the homosexual, right? So that, that I had, that'd be really when, tough. When I, when I started drinking and I had a, a couple, let's say two drinks, then I wanted cocaine. And when I had my first drink, I wanted a cigarette. So interestingly, when, when I tried to go cold turkey off the stuff, I remember talking to my aunt at the time and saying, I have this laundry list of stuff. And I, I don't think I went into detail, but everything with her, but it was sex addiction, homosexual sex addiction. It was pornography it was alcohol, it was cigarettes, it was cocaine. So that's five there and probably more kind of tied in if you count different stuff. And so I said to her, I can't imagine that the Lord will, will have me to suffer through this, to fight these addictions for the rest of my life. I would imagine that he would deliver me from the, from the, the temptation, right? Of some at least, right? And so it was like that when when the Lord got me away and I separated myself from, from certain friends and certain habits and so on, then I didn't crave the alcohol. Like now I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to go in. It wouldn't be healthy for me to go in and sit inside of a bar next to a whole bunch of whiskey bottles for two hours. It, it wouldn't be something that a Christian I think should really be doing, but, but um, I don't, I don't have that life or death craving like, Oh no, I want to drink so bad. And I can't, I don't feel like that. And for the, for the cocaine, that went away with the alcohol too. And the cigarettes went away with the alcohol. So the Lord got rid of kind of all three in one, one batch. Now, go back to the, the thing that we're talking about, the church not really accepting. Um, so praise the Lord for those three. But then the, the thing that the church doesn't really accept completely usually, and this doesn't mean everybody, but um, when you say, I... I repented and put my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now it's been 12 years ago, 12 years plus, and I still continue to struggle with uh, temptation toward the same sex. In other words, I experience that temptation. It's unwanted temptation toward the same sex. I still experience that. And then it's kind of like, oh, no, because they're... I don't know if people, I think there are a variety of different conclusions people come to. It seems like some people come to the conclusion, either he's not done something right or he's doing something wrong. Or they, I think in, in the mind of the majority of the church nowadays, sadly, I think we're not teaching the fall of man anymore. We're not teaching sin and, and our fallen nature. So we're assuming that everybody in the church is a finished work and we're all just like we're sitting in heaven already that we we don't have any more temptation. It's like, have you guys listened to your own thoughts and the evil things that go through your heart and mind and the amount the of times you, you yeah. gossip and you, you have, you're tempted to lie. And if you did used to smoke cigarettes, you probably still wake up every now and again and want to have a cigarette. Right? So what's the difference? But, but with homosexuality, I think it's kind of like, if you still feel attracted to that, I, I don't know if there's like the world thinks that we're born this way. And we, the church, know that we're not. If we're looking at scripture, we know it's just a byproduct of the fallen nature. So why would we think, oh, my goodness, big warning flag. Oh, my goodness, he's different from everybody else because he has. It's just a temptation towards something that's not so socially acceptable.
but anyway you take a lot of heat for it and people come to a lot of different conclusions and you feel sometimes marginalized in the church like you're not not able to serve in certain capacities because people think of you as a risk and maybe that's because people in the past maybe in my same shoes have kind of abused that a little bit maybe they they went in and then fell back into their old life and caused problems in the church um so that could be part of it there could be more than i can see sometimes but it, it's just challenging overall um you say i'm called of the lord I, I left everything that i know to come over here to another country across the world haven't i proven myself enough like, do you, <laughs> what do you want me to do right what's going to prove to you guys that i'm not right. going back to my old life and i'm not going to yeah. But you know, Matthew, Matthew, the main thing is you don't have to prove anything to anyone. You're only, it's only God you have to be concerned about, you know, Amen. let him take care of that. You know what, you know, that's one thing. Don't let that get in your head thinking that, that, you know, you don't have to prove anything to anyone. You know, that's not, that's not what we're here for. We're here to, you know, prove to God what we want, what he wants us to do, you know, and let him take care of the rest. Let him take care of it, man. And, and he will. Yeah. God and not man and it's like you learn that lesson for me I learned that lesson I was strong in that and then you go through the trials and mm -hmm. it's like oh I have to remember that again and you kind of relearn it but sure. anyway it's not easy and and the, the the lesson really learned is is truly please God and, and not man and in the beginning the one thing the Lord made very very clear is abide in me and you will bear much fruit right apart mm -hmm. from me you can do nothing so in other words mm -hmm. my my survival in on this difficult path that leads to eternal life doesn't depend on my strong connection to brother John the, the deacon in the church or whatever my power is not going to come from him the supernatural power to fight forwards coming from the Lord Jesus Christ so if I'm not talking to him every day if I don't know what he's doing in my life, if you're asking me, hey, brother, what's the Lord teaching you this week? And I don't have an answer. There's a big, big problem, right? Because mm -hmm. I'm not plugged into the power source. I'm just going with some kind of church movement or community or something. And that's nice. Iron sharpens iron. But we have our primary relationships with the Lord Jesus Christ have to be in his word daily and in prayer daily. And daily, absolutely. Because if you don't, Satan is going to knock you down so hard. <laughs> and it's so that's so easy to get distracted and forget to get in the word you know what i mean because you know and that's another thing he uses a distraction he doesn't want you doing that he doesn't want you uh you know your battery's drained and you got to recharge and you were mentioning about the church you were so right the church today is not what god intended it to be uh a lot of them are social clubs feel good don't want to offend you don't mention sin don't even mention Jesus in some of them, believe it or not. And uh, I believe yeah. that someday, very soon, you're going to see God put his judgment on those churches and clean house. And he needs to. A lot of the stuff, like you said, is, is not being taught in the church. Um, and I think a lot of it, too, uh, the way they teach about the homosexuality in church, they, they probably don't want to bring it up to offend people. But maybe they also do it, too, where they point their finger like you were saying, like, you know, uh, you know, it's a choice and that kind of thing. You know, that's judgment. You don't know what that person's going through. You don't know what their life has been through. You don't know what, what how they were brought up. Um, you, you know, you just like you said, speak the word. What the, we know what the Bible says. And that's all you need to do. And I think the Lord takes care of the rest.
<clears throat> and then like we were talking about the choice thing and and then we were talking about the that satan tempted and then it was her choice whether or not to follow so in my situation satan tempts and he gives that that feeling that it really feels so it's so deceptive so deceiving so convincing that you feel like i don't have any other choice and then mm -hmm. then i think of my situation and then i think of the somebody who's transgender in other words they went under the knife to have their body mm -hmm. mutilated and so on and and so sad but just think of that level of, of demonic deception and the lord can mm -hmm. can deliver from that he can he can there are so many testimonies of folks that the lord's delivered from even going that far and they've had they've had surgery to return um back to the way the lord made them and the lord really is a god of miracles and uh it's it's Amen. the choice that we talk the, the biblically the choice that we talk about is yeah, I have this temptation, but it, it sure enough ain't who I am, right? It's not who I am, and I refuse to accept it. I reject it, and that I'm going to follow. I'm going to repent and follow the Lord Jesus Christ according to his word. That's the choice, whether or not to follow the temptation or to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Make the Bible the supreme authority over your life, and that's where we find true peace. Yeah, resist the devil, and he will flee. He will flee. Absolutely. Yes. Amen. Um, do you, uh, what's your opinion about this when you, uh, hear about the gays, they, the, the gay community, uh, say that, you know, well, they have Christians and they have a church, uh, you know, and that kind of thing. And again, I'm not putting judgment only, only I know, I mean, only God knows, you know, it's between them, you know, you know, their personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, again, my opinion is, you know, it, all when the day that the Lord calls us, I'm sure we've already sinned. That doesn't mean he's going to change his mind and say, I'm not going to take you and have you be in paradise with me. You understand what I'm saying? Um, what are your thoughts about that? Can you hear me? You got me? Yes. Did you hear the last thing I said? Yes, I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. Can you hear me? Yep. Can hear you. Did you hear the last thing I was asking you? So the Yes. Okay. Sorry about that. No. There was a delay there, but I can't No problem. So, yeah, the, the Bible is the inspired and errant word of God, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, and it's not subject to human interpretation. And so not only these churches, like like you're, you're trying to say, uh, you're saying we're not passing judgment on these folks or these folks, but in, in any way, if we step off the word, if we say, okay, we're going to have a woman pastor. Oh, that's not a popular one today. Right, right. <laughs> but if right. we're at church and we say, we're going to have a woman pastor as, as the uh, the pastor of our church here, that's not biblical. It doesn't right. matter how popular it is or if the entire nation approves it and every church on earth has a woman pastor. The Bible says that's, that's not how the Lord designed it. She's not authorized. She's not truly called of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Oh, that that's uh, not popular to hear, but the same no, would no, go. Same here, buddy. Yeah, you hear it over here in the U.S. I'm sure you know that. Yeah. 
Yeah, so the same with the LGBT, you, you have a, a pastor and, and maybe even a woman lesbian pastor in charge of the church. And, and they're obviously like by, by on site, you can see they're not following the inspired and errant word of God. So, so the same would go for them. So we can, we can write the word church over the door but is it really a church? It's, it's a community center at best. If, we, if we've just completely right. thrown out the word of God or thrown out several pages, right? If we're not yeah. standing on the Pick entire word, if we're only Pick and just choose. Yeah. 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 That's, we're, not, we're not really a church. Good point. Good point. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, it's basically, Matthew, uh, the, the truth stings. This is the word that God says. And, uh, we believe it and we stand by it. And, uh, but like I said, it doesn't mean that you, you turn your back on anyone and, you know, we love everyone, but you know, we just have to, uh, have the, the faith that God will give us encouragement to share the truth and let him take over from there. And that, and that's what you're doing, man. That's what you're doing. How do you go about reaching out to someone? Does God speak to you in your heart and you, and you see someone in the street or what, what exactly, how do you, how do you go about doing it with your ministry from a daily basis? Very often, uh, very often it will be unplanned the, the time that it, that there's a genuine connection. It seems like it's often when I don't even expect it. I go to get a watermelon or something, and then the, the person selling the watermelon appears to maybe have a struggle, and and so the Lord leads to share. Uh, there's one guy here that that does sell fruit, and I was going through the market one time looking for fruit, and there he was. When I think when I first got here, um, in this the town where I am now, and so the Lord led in there, and and I just went to teach him today, and and we read the Bible together, and so on. A lot of times, it's very much. Uh, it's a long process. And, and that's one thing the Lord's really been building over time is patience. Mm -hmm. uh, so over here, different animal from over there a little bit. There's Cambodian cultures, 96% Buddhist, they, they say. And really, when you meet folks, you really start to learn that almost, almost everybody truly does identify as Buddhist, almost everybody you meet. And so heavily indoctrinated with uh, idolatry and bowing down to idols and um, appeasing demons, I don't, like appeasing the giving sacrifices to what they would they would imagine to be spirits of ancestors and that sort of thing because they're thinking that if I don't appease these demons, they will cast a curse on my family. Mm -hmm. um, they'll wear superstitious red bracelets to protect the kids and and say, well, you know that that guy probably had a motorcycle accident because he didn't give the offering to the demons yesterday mm -hmm. or something like that all kinds of different things going on. Um, every year there's a new year celebration in April, which just happened. And the Buddhist teaching here is that there, there's a certain group of angels, a batch of angels that's given authority over the nation. And every year for Cambodian new year, they're swapped out. There's a changing of the guard. And when the changing of the guard happens, then it's everybody's job to offer a sacrifice to the incoming batch of angels who are taking over and to bow down and worship those angels. So who do you think that angel of light is that, that's mm -hmm. trying to steal worship from the Lord that mm -hmm. Satan stole worship from the Lord back in the beginning, tried to, and that's why he was cast out of heaven. So he's the angel of light disguised, right? Um, 
It's just yeah. Satan trying to steal, steal worship. So you have all that and, and all of that come together. People are so heavily indoctrinated. They will, they will say, I am Cambodian. Therefore I am Buddhist. Like it's, mm. it's almost, you can't tear them apart. And so mm. it's a real, real war. So when, when a young person, a 25 year old, for example, would try to give his life to Christ, the family would come down full force on him, depending on the family, maybe not so hard for some, but if it's a kind of a pillar of the community family or family, that's kind of well-connected or knows folks that are, you know, in the neighborhood and that kind of stuff, the neighborhood will come down on them because there'll be certain Buddhist holidays where people go back to the pagoda and offer sacrifices and you're not going to go this time. So you're not really Cambodian and Cambodians are all Buddhists and so on. And so there's so much backlash. And then you, you have that mountain to climb first off. And then you have the LGBT mountain where it's like, uh, I have this temptation, therefore I am gay. And over here, they really embrace that with what Americans just recently started to embrace. Uh, baby, I was born this way. They really have what they call a third sex. They'll say there's male, female, and a third sex. So they're literally saying you were born this way as a third sex. And why? Because of reincarnation, because you have sin from a past life. Mm -hmm. It's really, it's so deep and so heavily entrenched and so heavily ingrained on so many levels that you're really starting from zero. And mm -hmm. some of them have never heard much about Jesus or if they did very, very little. And you're kind of starting back into creation story and working your way through. And even when you share the gospel several times, it's just like planting a seed because they're just starting to kind of imagine what you might be saying. Because it's so it's like another planet, like an alien concept. So um, the Lord's recently I'm, I'm in seminary now and doing seminary at U.S. school, but over here. And the Lord's really given tips and kind of tweaking my approach. I took a contemporary evangelism class and now a discipleship class. And the Lord's really tweaking that approach. And through that, just recently, uh, just made some minor tweaks of things. It's like I, I knew that before, but I just, for some reason, didn't incorporate it into what I was doing. And, and the Lord, through that, has brought recent fruit. So it's been really like, praise the Lord. It's it's just, uh, it's been a long time coming, but now... Uh, you know, have a couple guys that I've been, you know, three guys now, two of them just gave their life to Christ, praise the Lord. The other one mm. appears to be hopefully moving toward that. A couple of them have, have gone to church, especially the one has been going pretty much every Sunday with me. Um, it was like pulling teeth for years to get anybody to go to church. Um, so it's just like any other ministry. We can, we can count hands and pray the sinner's prayer with people, but the ones that truly, truly mean it, I hope these guys mean it. Only the Lord can see the heart, but the yes. ones that truly mean it are, are few and far between yeah. what the fourth guy and the sower and the seed, right? The guy that's yep. truly going to follow like a soldier. Mm -hmm. Those are tough to find. So that's kind of, yeah. it's kind of been the search for the soldier over here. Right. But at <laughs> least, at least you did your part. You know what I mean? It's, and like you said, it's between only God yeah. knows their heart, but at least you did your part. You planting the seed. And that you know, and then you can just pray for them. Man, do you do you think you're gonna uh, just stay out in Cambodia until the Lord tells you otherwise, or what, what do you yes. what do you, uh, you or do you think that maybe you'll come back to the U.S. or are you just gonna go by what you feel in your heart, what God's telling you to do? Uh, you know the like language, the 
the language families like English and Spanish and French and all that one one language family and then over here you have the script but almost like decoding deciphering script it's like a like I said a, like another planet kind of thing so it takes a long time to really get familiar enough to be effective with the language and that's still a work in progress although I can share clearly the gospel and my testimony and I can teach and sometimes fill in the blanks with with a translator but for the most part I can get my concepts that I need to for ministry across and um, so praise the Lord for that but I so I, I guess if the Lord can do anything he's his thoughts are above our thoughts and his ways are above our ways so he could call me back to the U.S. tomorrow for all I know but but with the information that I have now it would seem strange timing for me to go back mm -hmm. really soon mm -hmm. you know what I mean so I would imagine sure. being over here for a while it feels like training wheels a lot when sure. I'm over here it feels like it feels like it's a it's an easier place to share with folks that they're not so combative as they are back home so it feels like maybe he's building me up and strengthening me and training me kind of in a simple place a simpler um coming up with simple evangelistic kind of lessons and and approaches and feeling out what works and troubleshooting and then maybe preparing to go back to the u.s at some point and kind of mm -hmm join the fight that you kind of I think if you're in this kind of ministry over there you're kind of by default in the middle of a political war yes kind of stuff. that's <laughs> what it's always over here isn't it yeah and it always yeah. has to do with the political stuff and it's political stuff in the church <laughs> over here you know it's, yeah. yeah absolutely wow Matthew uh I'm gonna let you go my friend because I know it's late over there I know it was me I'd be I'd be like hey man it's my bedtime I gotta go <laughs> But no, I, it's been a blessing to talk. Oh man, it's it's it, it certainly has been a blessing, and, and really do appreciate uh, what you're doing, and continue to pray uh, for you and your in your ministry, and um, you know that, that you'll continue to to reach the hearts of the of the need. And it's not necessarily Matthew. You might find yourself. It's not necessarily the 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 gay ministry. You might the Lord for all you know maybe something else. He's he's planning you to help somebody else. I mean. It's still a struggle, people with addictions, you know, uh, from depression, anxiety, anything, you know. I mean, as as Christ uh, uh, children, you know, it's we we can reach out to people from so many different ways. Would you not agree? Amen. And it, what do they say that uh, you can't lead somebody where you never walked? So so yeah. the, that's the that's the mm -hmm. thing. I think that's maybe the. Uh, the big lesson from all this stuff, if you kind of combine it all, it's like all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So forgiven sin, if we're willing to repent, it's it's not too late. If we're willing to repent, put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, he can make forgiven sin ministry, powerful ministry to help other people. If you asked me 13 years ago, uh, I would have just been like a lost cause. I would think there's no way I could ever help. I'm I'm just an absolute shipwreck. I've made a failure of everything, but the mm -hmm. Lord turns everything around. Praise God. Praise He's just God. The God of the impossible. Yes, he does. He does. You know, we just have to, you know, trust him, like you said, with the patience. And, um, and he, he may not come through, like, right away, but there's a reason why. You know what I mean? We just have to trust him. And it's, a, it's, it's literally a one day at a time. No question about it. One day at a time. And the Lord always, you know, he's, he's told us before, you know, don't worry about tomorrow. Let's take care of today. Tomorrow has its own problems. You know, let, let's let's take care of today. And, then, and that's literally what we have to do is just remember that and ask him to be with us each and every day, you know, 
and 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 he will and he is matthew thank you so much for what you're doing thank you for coming on today and um, really appreciate it i'll put in the show notes all your information and um to let people know um do you have like a do you have like a a a, a website or email or anything of that kind of thing or are you going to work that in the future uh, for your ministry yes uh xgaywitness.com e-x-g-a-y-w-i-t-n-e-s-s.com and there's a link from there that goes to the ministry page that tells about the mission in Cambodia and then I have testimony books that I wrote through Amazon can get them there too fantastic fantastic Matthew most most importantly how to know Jesus is your Lord and Savior there's amen that's the main thing absolutely that's the main focus absolutely yeah and God will take care of the rest (laughs) thank goodness because I certainly couldn't do it (laughs) (laughs) all right my friend we'll we'll we'll, uh you know keep in touch and let let us know how your ministry is doing Everyone, thank you so much for joining us today. And we just uh, thank again, Matthew, and uh, we we just uh, praise God for his ministry. We'll see you all later, and God bless you. Have a great day.